This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. All right, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. I got another great show for you today, another episode of Mastermind Monday. I saved uh, these three. I wanted to get them all on the show together. I have great admiration for these three people. Um, I'm going to introduce you to them in just a second. But, uh, you know, when I first started getting in the education and the training business, I, I, there was all types of options out there. And a lot of them were, the people were old and and they had these antiquated ways of thinking, and they hadn't invested in since the 70s or the 80s. And, you know, I just really gravitated to those that were actually practitioners. And that's why I really have a whole lot of respect. And just, you know, flat out, I'll just say, I got a whole bunch of love for these three because they practice what they preach and they still do it today. They've built great education businesses. And I think their education businesses are so great because they're still hands-on to today. So I just want to bring them in to the show, introduce you to them. Um, and just kind of see what's going on in their world, what's in the market, what they're, what they're doing today for best practices, what they see for the future, and how that's impacting their business. So without further ado, I will introduce you to Joe McCall, Mr. Sean Terry, and Mr. Cody Sperber. Welcome, guys. Hey, Matt. There they are. Love it. Hey, Matt, Matt who are you talking hey. to? You're looking the other way. Who are you talking yeah, to? Yeah, so we, we do this multi-purposing of content. So we've got like four cameras going on right now, and then I got you guys online. So uh, we cut this up into a bunch of little pieces so everyone can get the, get a taste of the goodness that we do here. <laughs> Boom. Boom. All right, so let's just kind of go around, around the table and introduce yourself, what market you're in, and then a little bit about your current real estate investing business. Joe, why don't you lead us off? Well, hey, Matt. Um, right now, we're actually wholesaling a lot of deals in Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. Jackson, Mississippi. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, we're starting to do a little, uh, some lease options in San Diego as well, uh, venturing into California because things are calming down a little bit, cooling down a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love virtual wholesaling. And I'm doing this with one of our students and one of my coaching business partners. We're doing 10 to 15 deals a month right now, and it's going really, really well. That's Straight it. up old-fashioned cold cone. Nice, nice. Yeah, a lot has changed since I talked to you last. So interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Uh, Mr. Sean Terry. What's up? What's up? Sean Terry, Phoenix, Arizona. I am uh, been in the wholesaling business for about 15 years. Um, currently went from a one man show to build the team. Now, uh, we're doing about 150,000 a week in wholesale fees right now in Phoenix. Um, so we're crushing markets. Great. Uh, started a podcast back in 2010, have a ton of listeners started to get an information space. Uh, so that's a blast education, teaching people, helping people. Um, just closed on a 120 unit, uh, student housing project in Columbus, Georgia, First, uh, we did private placement, real estate syndication. So it's kind of all, all prospects, real estate, love it. Awesome. Yeah, a lot has changed over there too. So congrats on your recent success. Matt, I got to say, ahead, first, you and I both have more higher ratings and reviews than Sean Terry does <laughs> for our podcasts. It must be your beard. And then he does one every, like he does two podcasts a day. So I mean, I'll keep it. <laughs> You got to make up in volume, right? I just wanted to let everybody know. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. <laughs> Mr. Sperber. What's going on, guys? Hey, Matt, first off, um, thanks for having me on. Uh, always love watching your stuff, man. You are a freaking workhorse. You got ton, tons of good stuff out there. I love the fact that you really focus on wealth creation, creating sustainable wealth through real estate. You know, us deal junkie guys, we're all about flipping houses and we keep putting ourselves out of a job because we're always looking for the next deal fix. But I always really admired your hustle and everything you got going. You got a great community. So thanks, uh, and, and you must be doing something right because you lined up some beasts on this one. I sure did. You know, this is good looking guys. 
This it's is a, a actually died and, and a fantastic assistant to pull it off. So there you go. Um, anyways, my name is Cody Sperber. Uh, my wife started calling me the clever investor long before I was clever. And, uh, you know, the term sticks, that's how I say it, the coin term. Anyway, I'm actually in the Phoenix market as well. Me and Sean Terry have been going toe to toe for, uh, over a decade now. And, uh, you know, having a lot of fun. I started off wholesaling cause I didn't have any money and, uh, I had to get creative and create the money. And then I got into, finally got the courage to do some rehabs. Uh, worked my way up. I've done a little over a thousand deals, probably like 13, 1400 deals by now. I've, I've kind of lost track, but in 2010, uh, started Clever Invested, the education company. Uh, it was going to be a software company. I was going to, I was using some pretty cool tools in my own personal business. And, uh, you know, people were asking me, can I get my hands on that software? And then it took off and the education came right behind it and we blew up the business. Got 77 amazing team members now. We're one of the one of the larger education businesses in the space. And uh, it's been a wild ride, so much fun. And uh, right now, my real estate business, I actually just partnered with my two best friends. So this is going to be new and interesting for me. We're all old. We're all 40 plus at this point. And uh, one guy owns a Buffalo Wild Wings. He's never done a real estate deal in his life, but he watches a lot of HGTV my other buddy sold t-shirts for a living. So what could go wrong? We got the, the guru, the chicken wing guy and the t-shirt guy. And yeah. uh, we literally just started last week. And every single day they come and sit down in front of me like, what do we do? We want to go out and get deals. Uh, but you know, what works works, you know, right. uh, we already have four or five rehabs that we're getting started and we're buying from other wholesalers. The, the business is going to be a rehabbing business. We're going to wholesale some, uh, but it's going to be a rehabbing business. I want to, uh, you know, just get those big fat paydays so I can then listen to your podcast, Matt, and figure out how to put the money to work. Awesome. I can fire myself from this business. Right. Do the fun stuff in life. That's, That's good. Cool. So yeah, I haven't talked to you guys in so long and everyone's doing something a little different, got some new nuances. So I'm interested to, to dive deep into all of that. Um, the most common question here on the show is what's your best source of off-market deals at the moment? Cody, you, you want to take that one? Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to jump in on this, but it, there used to be riches in the niches, right? For a long time, I was, you know, door knocking. And when that stopped working, uh, door knocking foreclosures, uh, the market started melting down. And then I was down at the foreclosure auction. And then the REOs happened and the short sales happened. And there was all these niches. Mm-hmm. And uh, l- lately, there hasn't really been these uh, ability to go really wide and aggressive like we could when there was all this distressed property coming through. So uh, what's working right now is just dialing for dollars. Honestly, you're probably going to hear that from everybody, but um, it's direct mail was killing it for a while. It still works. It's, it's a consistent man's game. You got to really send a lot of mail pieces consistently to get that hockey stick kind of returns. So what we're focusing on right now is just, you know, being able to, uh, go after really good targeted type of lead. Maybe we're farming areas of high equity, you know, absentee owners or foreclosures or probates or whatever. But instead of sending a mail, we're actually getting those lists, skip tracing them and putting on a headset, putting on a smile and just dialing for dollars. And that seemed to be pulling a a good amount of deals. Um, And the last thing I'll say before I let it go is I honestly think of marketing as like a seven layer cake. You got to layer in a a bunch of different layers. You can't just be focused on just one strategy. I know that was the original question, what's your best way? But they all kind of play together in today's world. It's it's more about like omnipresence in the mind of your prospect. If they see you on social, they see you when they Google and they see you on pay-per-click and they see you on Facebook ads, you pixel them and you go over to YouTube and they see you on YouTube and you're chasing them all over. And then they're getting direct mail from you. All of a sudden, they feel like you're bigger than life. They, you've almost created an experience for them. And that's how we're able to, to get more deals is just because we're everywhere. Once they get into our web, we're mm-hmm. doing multiple layers of marketing to them at the same time. Question on that, Cody. Um, you talked about this, this multi-level marketing machine that you've got built. And you know, I, I see it everywhere. You've got this monster training program and, and training course. And do you separate that from your 
real estate business as far as when you're looking for the, the sellers and you do the same practices? Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just, you know, my real estate business, the education side of things is it's a digital, we're really digital marketers that sell real estate investing education, right? And so there's right. certain things I'm going to do online. Um, and with homeowners, it's a little different. I'm still doing the, the, the Facebook ads. I'm still retargeting. I'm chasing around on YouTube and all that stuff. Um, but I send a lot more direct mail in my real estate business um, to acquire deals. Like in my education business, I'm not putting out bandit signs, you know, that kind of thing. It's a really a relationship business on the real estate side. So I'm networking with lots of real estate agents, lots of wholesalers. Since I'm rehabbing, I'm kind of everybody's best friend because I'm a cash buyer or rehabbing. I can go out there really easily and tell people, hey, we got cash. We want to buy the deals before they hit the market, the pocket listings, the pre-listings to, you know, if I'm talking to agents. So there's some nuances and there's some similarities. I'm still working on search engine optimization. I'm still consistently posting on social for real estate leads. So it's close. I'm still building a funnel, Mm -hmm. right? You got to think of this business and marketing. Everybody focuses on the front end of the funnel, which is lead generation. I could hand you 10,000 homeowners right now that own houses. Maybe they want to sell, maybe they don't. I can drive them towards your website or I can you know, get them to call you. But if you don't have a conversion process to put them through, conversion's the actual key to this business. The lead gen, the front end of the funnel is not that difficult. It's, a, it's like a recipe, a formula. Sean Terry is one of the best lead gen guys out there, right? Joe McCall, he knows how to get VAs to like do amazing things to generate all these leads. But the reality is the Conversion part is, in my opinion, way more important because nowadays people need an experience. Everybody's selling something. Everybody's pitching something. There's 50 million blinky lights on social media. People's brains are geeking out. But if you can cut through that noise and create an experience for people, meet them where they are and understand how to talk to them on a deeper level, almost like a doctor with a stethoscope, you got to listen to their soul a little bit more nowadays. And if you can cut through everything and get there, that's when you have a, a, a higher chance of getting the deal. That art of building rapport, that art of influence is very important. So didn't mean to go off tangent, but our main strategy is dialing for dollars, but we are layering it in with everything else. That's what makes it way more effective. Got it. That's awesome. Sean, what can you add to that? What's your best source of off-market deals at the moment? Well, actually, uh, Cody pretty much nailed it on the head when it came to layering. So what we'll do is we'll pull a huge property tax default list. We'll take that list um, and then we'll skip trace it with like an IDI. It'll give us a ton of different numbers. Now we have that skip trace list. We'll direct mail that list with like a street view postcard. Then we'll take that list and then we'll uh, rip out all the cell phone numbers and then we'll RVM them, ringless voicemail them. Then we take that list with all the numbers that have on there and then we put them into call tools, which is our dialer. And I have basically five cold callers. They're cold calling um, about a thousand dials a day on those. Uh, and then after cold calling, we'll take that entire list, upload it to Facebook with the uh, with the email addresses or phone numbers and everything. And then we're going to retarget them with uh, Facebook ads. So that's basically the combination of, re- you know, just like you're repurposing content, we'll basically repurpose that list and we're going to hit them from every angle. Mm-hmm. So what we're finding is the results are we're about $43 cost per lead uh, when it comes to RVM, ringless voicemail. That's the cheapest, fastest, easiest way to get in front of someone very quickly to get leads coming in almost instantly. Cold calling, we're seeing about $110 cost per lead. Direct mail, we're seeing $341 cost per lead. So when you combine all those on a blended cost per lead, you know we're, we're, getting, we're driving our cost per lead down uh, significantly lower. So once those leads come in, we have basically have three lead managers. They're booking all the booking all the calls. We have three uh, sales guys going out there, going on appointments, 20 appointments a week. Um, and it is that process of creating that experience and the conversion is incredibly important. We have iPad presentations, we have repair sheets on iPads, we docu-sign everything with sellers. So they're bringing in anywhere from three to five contracts a week, uh, each individual sales guy. And then from there, you know, we're just pumping them out and selling quick. Awesome. Mr. McCall, your best source of off-market deals at the moment. 
we are pulling lists of absentee owners with high equity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're targeting high cash flow markets. I'm finding the easiest deals to wholesale are the ones that there's a lot of out of state investors that are coming in and buying up these properties for cash flow. So Birmingham, Alabama is really good. Jackson, Mississippi is really good. And we're targeting these homeowners. We're targeting absentee landlords. Um, so we're getting addresses. We're skip tracing them. We're doing ringless voicemail. Um, and then we are cold calling with Mojo. We're using Mojo Sales. I want to start using call tools. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but we have $5 an hour VAs in the Philippines that are doing the initial cold calling mm-hmm. to these high equity uh, absentee owners. And then we have a boots on the ground. One of my students who's a wholesaler in Birmingham who is actually getting on the phone and closing all these deals over the phone. She's making offers over the phone. And here's the key to it all. No matter what kind of marketing you're doing, the key to it us, what we have found is the follow-up. I don't know my cost per lead. I should, but we're spending on average of about $500 in marketing per deal. And our average profits are right around $8,000. So the, the ROI is incredible, right? But the key to it all is follow-up. We're finding on average, it takes three to four months from initial contact to finally doing the deal and making the money on average, about six to seven touches. And so our Podio, we use Podio. It's super simple. We don't have any odd fancy automations and workflows. It's just every time that lead is touched, we create a new task to follow up again the next day, the next week, the next month. And so every lead in Podio has an open task assigned to somebody with a due date. And all of this marketing is awesome, but unless you're doing the follow-up, you're, you're not going to go anywhere with this. So probably, I need to look at the numbers, but last I looked, it was about 80%, 85% of our deals comes from the follow-up. It's not that first initial contact. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, oh, well, let me say one more thing too. Um, we're still doing texting. We'll find uh, landlords and for sale by owners on Craigslist and Zillow, and we send them individual personalized texts one at a time. I found that works really well when you're doing some more creative things like lease options and stuff. So we're doing that in, in some other markets. Sweet. So yeah, it seems to be the common answer is, you know, what's old becomes new again. It comes back around and and people are really picking up the phones and just putting in the work and working the repetitions. Um, What have you found, Joe, I'll start with you since we're talking already. What is, uh, what have you found to be the best approach when you're picking up the phone and, and initiating these conversations and I guess a part two of that question would be how much training is going into to your five VAs and, and, you know, how important is their effectiveness or is it just a straight numbers game? It's a straight numbers game, but also one of the reasons why we're so successful with using virtual assistants for these initial cold calls is we're talking to them every single day. A lot of people just hire VAs and expect them to take it and run with it. In fact, um, we're talking to them by text or by Skype every single day. And we just started something where we're having a once a week for 30 minutes, a training where all of the VAs, we only have four or five, but they, they get online together once a week for some training. And uh, so that constant regular communication is really, really critical and important. Um, and you asked me two questions. I forget the first one. One was um, the, oh, the, the approach. Like when they pick up the oh. phone, what does that initiation sound like? It's like, hey, sorry for calling you out of the blue. Jim, we're calling about your property at 123 Main Street. So we're assuming that that person is Jim who owns the house at 123 Main Street. We're not asking them, do you own the house or whatever. And uh, so, you know, we get a lot of angry no's and FU's and all of that. So we just blacklist them. You know, we don't call them anymore after that. But our initial pre-screening is super simple, like maybe three or four questions. Uh, that lead then goes into Podio through a web form and our local wholesaler, who's she's the key to all of this. She's amazing. She immediately calls that lead back right away and she's on them like white on rice. She's calling them four or five times a day until she gets a hold of them. She's texting them and uh, she is super relentless, but she's, she's really sweet too. She's got this nice, charming Southern accent, you know, which by the way, if you're ever looking to hire somebody on acquisitions, you should think about looking for somebody in the South. I'm not kidding. Who's got a sweet Southern charming accent, you know, that just kind of disarms people. 
Um, but she's really good. I mean, she calls people honey all the time. Um, she's got these big, angry, gruff landlords that she talks to and, uh, she softens them up right away. So, but she's also relentless. She's just following up and, um, there's really no fancy script that we use. We just, we just talk to them and ask them a lot of questions and make a lot of offers. Got it. Sean, your approach similar or do you have a different way of going about it? Actually, there's uh, two different approaches we tested. One, one approach is where the person is diving deep on with the seller. So they're cold calling and then they're booking all the way to an appointment. Um, that entails a lot more training. There's a lot more drop-off and there's a lot more breakage. So um, our approach we're currently doing right now is literally just getting them on the phone, finding out if they have a house to sell. If they have a house to sell, then we immediately do a transfer to a live um, a lead manager. We have three lead managers that then will take the call over. And then from then, they're trained and they'll book the appointment. The lead managers work in-house and the BAs are out. So that works a lot better. So the BAs are only trying to find out if they have a house to sell and the answer is yes, they'll do a transfer. Sweet. Cody, you have a different approach or similar? Pretty similar to what Sean's doing. Um, I'm definitely not is, you know, I listen to Sean talk and I'm just like, yep, that's how to do it. (laughs) I'm not, I don't really have it together like that. Um, To be honest, when we call, I've tested a lot of different things and uh, sometimes just something simple like, hey, listen, uh, I'm not collecting the debt and I'm I'm not trying to sell you anything. I, the area, I really like your house. I want to send you a, a big fat check. If you want to sell. If not, I'll hang up. No hard feelings. Sorry about that. You know, but you got to do something to break that ice. And just one more piece of advice just that we've learned along the way. Um, don't leave a voicemail if they don't answer. Just a little, you know, phone tip just because I found oh. that, you know, a lot of times I'll hang up, I'll call right back. I'll hang up, I'll call right back. And if in if three tries, they don't answer. I don't leave a voicemail and I put them back and we'll, we'll try calling them again. Um, if I do leave them a voicemail, it's a really strong hook. Like, you know, something like John, this is Cody. I got uh, really, really great news. I really need to share it with you. You know, I have a big fat check. I want to send it your way. Listen, give me a holler back at 480 I'm not trying to sell you anything, but I really need to talk to you. Right. So it's kind of hypey like that. And we can let me, I love that, Cody. One of the things we do is we'll say, hey, John, I got the contract right here for your house, ready to go. Call me back. I got to talk to you right now. Perfect. That, you, get a, you get a ton of people really mad, but they, it gets them to call you, which is yep. <laughs> The one that we do all the time here, they'll call and say, hey, uh, my assistant has the contract ready to go out to you, but I'm not sure if she has the right address. I'd hate for this to end up in the wrong hands. So before she sends it out, give me a call. Right? Sure. So same type of thing. Sean, what's your opinion on voicemail? Uh, yeah, we actually do very something very similar. We just, you know, um, we don't say we have a big fat check, but I do like that. I think I'm feeling it. <laughs> we do it, yeah. Just similar. Like we have some incredible important information. Please give us a call ASAP. Sweet. I can tell you one thing though, is that make sure you're changing your caller ID number literally every campaign you're doing because the carriers will blacklist your caller ID and your leads will drop off the cliff and you're wondering why. So make sure you rotate it through call rail, pull those numbers out, just rotate them out. So let me give you another huge tip. (laughs) You break out your lists. You call them the first time at the morning. The next time you call that list, call them later in the day. And the next time call them later in the day. So if you've got a VA that only, you should have like three VAs that work nine to 12, 12 to 3 and 3 to 6, right? You need to be rotating your calls through those time zones, those time areas, because if somebody doesn't answer their phones in the mornings, they probably never answer their phones, but they may answer their phones in the evening. So you got to be rotating that list through those different hours. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Let me me throw one more thing in. (laughs) This is what happens when you mastermind. All right. So um, best advice for somebody who's new that's trying to create a success habit of making these calls. Uh, just like set a time, even though maybe in the evening it's better. If you don't have a VA call every day from like nine to noon and make, create a habit of calling every single day at nine to noon, even though you'll get a bigger response rate at night, at least you'll force yourself to do your lead gen for at least three hours a day. I see so many people, Joe or Sean, somebody said, you have to make offers right? Like just make offers, right? I talk to students all the time 
and they've maybe spent a lot of money on education somewhere else. And then they finally somehow get into my world and they go, I've been trying this real estate thing for six months. I say, awesome. How many offers did you make? They say, oh, I haven't made an offer yet. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? How is that possible? Like we got to get to work. Like you're writing an offer today. Mm-hmm. And um, when you start creating those, like just pick up the phone and I'm going to call every single day for 90 days straight. And I'm going to create that success habit. You'll get past all that fear, all those challenges. You'll be able to test all the best ways in your local market to, to get past all the objections. And I, at least in the beginning, don't kid yourself. If you're like, oh, I'll call later today, you're not going to call later today, right? Force yourself from nine to noon. I don't set appointments in the morning times. I don't do anything else. Just call, all right? Very important. Then once you get good and you start hiring other people, then you could start, or you do VAs where it's not your time and then you can bounce around. But I know in the beginning, so many people will make every excuse under the sun. But if you create that habit, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. And right now, dialing for dollars is working. It won't work maybe next year. We don't know, Mm -hmm. right? They keep moving the cheese. But right now that you've just heard it from three experts, it works, but you got to put in the work to make it work. You said something that there's so much you can do and you can have these these great habits and you can take this from lead generation to lead conversion and you get all the way to the end. If you don't write the offer, it was all for waste, right? You'll never do the deal. I remember one of the the, the videos that I've had that's got the most dislikes ever on my YouTube channel. It was how to do more deals. And it was a very short video. I just said, write more offers. And (laughs) people didn't appreciate it. Write more offers. <laughs> Write more offers. Yeah, it was. Uh, it came from Stephen King. He said, how do you become a better writer? And he said, write more. And I was like, hey, that's a, there's some truth to that, right? Let me let me say something to this. Yeah. Course, because a lot of people listening to this, maybe you're just getting started. You don't have the time or the resources to go and learn some fancy <laughs> auto dialing software, right? Like that's overwhelming to you. What Cody said is really good. You need to just make it a goal to talk to five sellers a day. And if you can make you know, offers to at least three of those five, but if you can make it a goal to talk to five sellers a day and make an offer to every one of them, even if they tell you to F off, yep. send them an offer anyway, right? And just get in that habit of talking to sellers. Because here's the thing, your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. And if yep. you want to make money in this business, you've got to make a lot of offers. I think all four of us, when we coach our students, we give them scorecards. And the first thing that we ask them is, how many offers have you made in the last week? Yep. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters in this business. Yep. Yeah. If you're not writing, if you're not doing deals and you're not writing offers, then you don't have the right to complain about anything else, in my opinion. Right? Exactly. So, just to put some numbers, just put some numbers to it. So um, in, for an expectation. So typically, you know, with co-calling, or ringless voicemail, it's more of disruptive marketing. Someone's going along on their day, they're doing whatever, and all of a sudden they get a call, and all of a sudden, boom. So the conversion rate on those, for what we're finding, is one in 39. So one, you get one deal, or one deal that comes in for every 39 leads uh, that, uh, that come in. So you got 39 leads. So that means that's 39 offers that you're making before you're going to get one. So back to Cody's point, back to Joe's point, Back to Matt's point, if you're looking at it, you go, people come in and go, well, I've only made 12 offers. I only made seven offers or eight offers. Well, you're not even playing in the numbers. Get in the numbers first, make 50 offers, then come back and talk. And now we can reassess, you know, exactly what's happening within that offer structure. Well, Sean, what you're saying is important because there's a difference between getting excited about real estate and going out and trying to flip a house yep. versus owning a real estate, active real estate investing business where you're either wholesaling or flipping houses as a business, right? Mm-hmm. That business means you got to think like a businessman or woman and you got to track your key performance indicators, your KPIs. And you're like one of the best in the world at this. You know, I, I just always kept it simple. How many phone calls do I have to make to fill out, to get an answer? Right? How many, how many just rings have to happen before I get an answer on average? How many answers before I have a conversation and can fill out a lead intake form, which means we actually talked and it's not a yeah. F, take me off your list. 
there's actually a potential. Now I know, now I know how many phone calls I have to make to get an answer, how many answers before I fill out a lead intake form, how many lead intake forms before I get to a point where I can write an offer, how many written offers before I get to one accepted, how many accepted before I get to a closed deal and a profit check. And right. if you start tracking those, um, you can start to see the funnel, right? And all the touch points that have to happen. And then, like you said, you've already, you've tracked it to the point where you know it takes us 39 lead intake forms or conversations before we get to that deal, right? Or what I, whatever you just said, I think it was 39. Yeah. So yep. then all of a sudden you, you can look at your team or yourself in the mirror and go, how much money do I want to make this month? And then you could just go back to the front of the funnel and say, all right, I got a five exit to get that result on the back end because I know all the metrics in the middle. Right, you could start to plan out how much money you want to make each quarter or each year. Right. But if you're not tracking that stuff, there's no hope for you. And yeah. winning it is not a strategy. If you're running a business, you got to think like a business, and that's very important. Amen. Yeah, it creates a predictable business, right? You can hire people. You can. Do, there's a whole bunch of things that will allow you to do knowing exactly those numbers. So, good hundred percent. Sean, what are you seeing in your business or the market that has you maybe concerned or maybe has you excited? And, and how is it changing the way you're operating? Um, concerned or excited? So first off, um, it's not concern at all. But um, basically what we look at every single month is inventory. We look at our current inventory every single month. How many units are currently on the market? How many pending sales are there? You know, and what's our average uh, monthly uh, supply, which is roughly about 2.6 months right now. So we're watching that every single month. And so obviously Phoenix is going to be different from St. Louis or um, any other market, California, across the country. So anybody who's in the business right now, you know, you know, if you're fixing and flipping business and if that's going to be your core element of business, you have to watch that inventory levels. And if it ticks up, then you want to kind of start scaling off the whole um, fix and flip model, you know, and maybe, maybe go toward the uh, more toward the wholesale model in Phoenix. We're not seeing that right now. We're seeing it anywhere. I mean, it's literally staying within about 2.4 to 2.6 um, months supply. And uh, if it starts to increase, I mean, I, I do fix and flips as well. Our mandate is, company mandate, if, we, if there's not a, at least a minimum of $100,000 spread, we won't touch it. You know, but as, as the market, you know, changes and shifts over the next 12 to 18 months, you know, these are something we watch every single month. We'll make a determination to take down a property or not or potentially wholesale it. So it's all driven by the inventory and anybody can look in their market and what I would highly suggest is look at your current inventory, look where you were a year ago, and look where you were back in 2005 and maybe in 2008, and that will give you a historical inventory level. And, uh, and then, you know, as prices, I, I can definitely see as wholesale prices, um, we are pushing prices upwards to 82 to 83% of the actual ARV after repair value. They've come down a little bit. We're actually under 80%, right? About 78, 79%. Is that what you're offering, Sean, or is that what you're selling them for? That's where our exit number is. Exit number of, a, of an actual true ARV is roughly 79, 78, 79% right now. Obviously, unless it has just ridiculous amount of rehab, the place is completely trashed. So, okay. What's that threshold for you, Sean, as far as inventory? Maybe you said it, I might have missed it. But that threshold where you can like, okay, maybe we're going to pull back on the fix and flip model a little bit, kind of transition a little bit more on the quicker wholesale uh, model. Yeah. So currently, I mean, just to give you the example, in basically July of 2005, there was 5,000 units on the market. The market was crazy. Everything was nuts, right? In August of 2008, when, when, um, well, when Washington Mutual crashed, uh, we had about 50,000 units on the market here in Phoenix. So 50,000 units from five to 50,000 units. A stable market in Phoenix is about 30, 32,000 units. We're currently sitting right now at about 16,000 units on the market right now. And we're staying pretty steady and kind of, we're just kind of going in a sideways channel right now. We haven't broke down. We haven't broke up yet. So if it breaks up, right, then we're going to start obviously looking for um, basically taking that fix and flip model, kind of taking it off the shelf. Got it. Joe. What uh, are you seeing in your business or the marketplace that uh, has you concerned or excited? How is it changing the way you're operating? That's a good question. I've always loved wholesaling because wholesaling works whether the market's going up or down. Um, I bit my teeth into this business doing lease options in 2009 when everybody was running to the hills. 
So I think it's important for people to know how to do creative deals if the market starts falling because you get more sellers that are motivated. Um, you have less cash buyers, investor buyers, maybe buying homes. So you need to learn how to buy deals creatively, land contracts, subject tos, owner financing, lease options. So I love wholesaling because no matter if the market, what direction it's going, I'm in and out really quick, right? I'm not taking ownership of anything. And even the same with lease options, you can flip or assign those lease options. Um, you can still wholesale a land contract or subject to or owner financing, right? So it's important to listen to podcasts. It's important to get educated and to stay in touch with what's going on in the industry. And because uh, the cool thing about real estate too is that it's not like the stock market where it drops in, on a dime, right? The housing market always is much slower. And so you always have more time to kind of see the direction that it's going in. And uh, th that's, why, that's why I love this. Here's the thing too, I'll say this. I was just seeing this. I've been seeing this more and more on Facebook. I'm not very active in there, but I like to read and see what kind of questions people are asking. And I'm starting to see a lot more people talk about things like cash out refinance, right? I'm starting to see more people talk about what does it matter if it cash flows? Just buy it because it's appreciating. Just cash out refinance. Like all that same stuff that we heard way back in 2006 and seven, you're starting to hear people talking about it again. And I'm just saying you got to be careful of that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just took my son to uh, sports clips over the weekend. He likes to go there and watch the TV while he gets his hair cut. And uh, <laughs> the two of the uh, two of the barbers were actually talking about the house that they're flipping. And I was like, uh-oh, here we go again. <laughs> right? Well, Sean, tell your story real quick when you were getting a haircut back in 07 or something. Yeah, well, interestingly, same thing happened. A lady, she made $40,000 on a flip. And uh, currently I owned, at the time, this was like uh, early 2005, was um, 120 rentals, about $36 million worth at the time. And literally, I was like, I went back to my partner at the time and said, we got to sell everything. So we unloaded all of our inventory, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of relate it back, unloaded all of our inventory in 2005 at the height of the market. So I was brilliant, right? I was like, I was like I'm the man. I got rid of everything, had all this cash, tens of millions, I mean, it was millions of dollars coming in. It was insane. But that was my brilliant move. And then my stupid move was I had to deploy the cash into investment. So I put it into land, right? In the land. And I'm going to relate this back on when we're talking about the market and risk and what I did wrong and then what I would do different and what I am doing different today. Um, but the bottom line is I, I put money in the land. We owned uh, $30 million with the land at the time, about controlled about 580 lots. In Phoenix, we'd buy land, we'd uh, assemble land, we'd entitle land, um, turning uh, turning it basically into platted engineered lots, and we had them, you know, sold to builders. Right during this crash happened, and all the builders backed out on it, um, and now we're stuck with this with this land and what to do, um, which got it in a very very tough situation. Never filed bankruptcy or anything like that. I had to negotiate with lenders, and it was about a two to three year miserable situation. Um, to going through that process. So I came out the other side, right? And I said, okay, I'm going to basically start wholesaling. I wrote letters from my kitchen table just to start talking to sellers and making offers, start getting deals and crawled out of that hole that I was in. I was not only in a mental hole, but I was in a financial hole, got out of that hole and went back and kind of looked at what was, what's the biggest, what, why did that happen? And what was the biggest mistake? So I, I, I literally, I talked to, I don't know how many countless people anyway, being part of masterminds and groups and stuff like that. The bottom line is you want to protect yourself going in the future. You got to buy cash flow. That's the number one. And obviously Matt, that's your mantra, right? Got to buy cash flow. You do not buy on speculation, right? You cannot have, you don't buy it and say, oh, it's going to go up and then I'm going to buy it, right? That's speculate. I did that one land. So the land had no cash flow. I bought it on speculation because I could do a forced appreciation on it with, with providing private engineered lots. And the third key component is long-term debt. If you have long-term debt on the properties, then you can suffice any market dips or market corrections. And I had short-term debt. I had no cash flow and I was buying on appreciation. And that was the recipe for disaster. So going on in the future, if you're buying properties now, like we just closed on a 128 you know, uh, bed student housing project, 
that project, it cash flows from the start, $130,000 first year. We have long-term 10-year debt, 30-year amortization, 10-year debt on the property. Um, and uh, and it's, it's literally cash flows and we're not buying it for appreciation. We're buying it and we had a, a basically a very conservative cap rate exit um, on five years. But if we have to hang on to it, we can hang on to it for a full 10 years. So, um, so it's the different approach than it was back in 2008. So lessons learned. It's a good job. Cody, the biggest win that you've had in the last 12 months and what did you learn from it? Biggest win? Yeah. I win every day. That's all we do <laughs> is win, win, win. No. Um, to be honest with you, Matt, at this point in my career, I've been doing this for a long time now and I made my first million at age 28, became a multimillionaire at age 30. I haven't made under $10 million a year. I'm not bragging, but I've just scaled. You know, and so financially, I don't think of it like money as a win anymore. Um, my biggest win is probably uh, the fact that I can, you know, my kids are off school right now. I'm throwing them in a car. I'm taking them on vacation and we're checking out and I'm not stressed. That's my biggest win. You know, I'm not worried about asking somebody for some time off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm just going. Right. Unfortunately, where I'm taking them just flooded. I got pictured. I'm taking them to Port of Panasco, Rocky Point for a couple of days, and then we're going to head over to, we're coming back and then we're going to Cabo. But uh, I just got a picture of the whole place is flooded. So now I got to mm-hmm. scramble and figure out what we're going to do. But, you know, that's to me, if you're talking real estate, you know, I'm now in business with my two best friends. I think that's a major win. You know, we're, we're going to go flip some houses and have some fun. And uh, it's bulletproof. It, it's that one thing that is always going to be there. People are always going to need a place to live. So I love, that's why I'm so passionate about it is it's helped me create massive amounts of wealth. Then I went and taught other people how to create wealth. And that's a freaking rad story to tell. You know, it's like, what better thing to do than serve people at a deep level like that, help them achieve their financial goals and uh, feel like a rock star in the process and um, just be able to control your time. So I don't know if that answered your question. It's kind of hard. Well, well, let me rephrase it. As good as life is for you, and it's, it's all panned out wonderfully, um, what is one thing, if you had to go back and do it differently, what would that one thing be? Oh, man. I think about that a lot. I think I, I would have probably just told myself to get more committed sooner because I see this happen all the time with entrepreneurs. You see guys like Sean Terry or Joe McCall, and they're playing the game at a very high level. And they're on social media, and they're on four different social media channels. And then they're, you know, doing big things with direct mail, and they're, you know, uh, doing podcasting, and they're got their real estate business, and you know, they got their big rental portfolios, and they got all this stuff going on. So you sit there, and maybe you're not anywhere near that, and you're like, oh my god, I want to do that, right? And so you do ten different things at ten percent. And you don't get any traction on any of them, mm-hmm. right? And then it, six months goes by, and a year goes by, and you start running out of motivation, and you look back, and you don't feel progress, and you're, you're defeated. And you start abandoning ship on things. Oh, that doesn't work. You know, why? You know, maybe, maybe the market's not right for that. Oh, well, the president's not the right president right now. So that's probably why that's not working. And you're making all these excuses. Your know, prices are a pain in the ass, and it's depreciating. No, wait, now it's appreciating. And, you know, you're never going to get where you want to go. So if I could give myself any better advice is get committed to dominating whatever you're going to do. Don't dabble. Don't be average. Don't be a little bit in and try to do 10 things. Screw that. Go all in. Like be a freaking obsessed, insane maniac and just conquer it like a savage, right? And then when you do that, that's when you can start to add the other pieces to it. You know, if you're going to be the best on the phones, be the freaking best. If you're going to dominate YouTube, and the thing I'm most excited about is YouTube right now. I think it's the future. I think right now, whoever owns YouTube, as far as in their niche, in their market, I'm seeing guys right now that are putting out a video a day on YouTube. They're relentlessly posting. They're driving all around the country, doing collaborations with other influencers. They're doing whatever it takes to build their little brand on YouTube. And they're saying things like, if you want to partner with me, click the link in the description below or give me a call. And positioning themselves as a real estate expert and they're raising private money 
from all these people that have lazy money and they're coming to this person because they say, what happens on YouTube is unique. You see a video, you like what they have to say, you binge watch 40 more videos from them, right? And now you fall in love and that person gets put up on a pedestal like a rock star. So then when you finally get an opportunity to talk with them, you're like, wow, you're a real estate expert. I want to do, I didn't even know you want a partner. And they're like, I got, you know, I'm a, I'm a dentist. I got 250 grand. It's like, okay, we're going to take your 250 grand. We're going to go buy three rentals together. And by the way, you can pay me five grand as a processing fee to be my partner. And I'm watching kids and, and people dominate their spaces and they have 50 rentals, hundred rentals, 175. And I'm like, how the frick did you get so many rentals? Oh, uh, by the way, they didn't use any of their own money. 100% of it came from somewhere else. And all they did was dominate YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just gave you my biggest secret that I'm focusing on right now. Nice. So the overall, the overall lesson though there is, and it's been a mantra around here for the last 24 months at least, because we've made this mistake. We've tried to go so wide so fast, but to go deep before going wide, conquer that before you add something to that layer, right? Yep. I like it. That's, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Joe, what's the biggest? Go ahead, Sean. I, I just think Cody's one of the best at that. You know, it's funny because we both had like, I think it was like 8,000 uh, Instagram followers at the time. Cody goes to, uh, he goes to Tony Robbins' event. He's doing on social media. He's jumping around. <laughs> Tony Robbins, right? <laughs> and literally, I think something shifted in his brain when it came to his commitment level. And I think he chose Instagram as to be the, thing. And I saw him go from 8,000 to literally 1.3 million in a record setting time. He went all in. And, uh, I do absolutely think, you know, obviously whatever you put your mind to, whatever you're committed to, um, do with everything you've got and you'll be amazed at what happens on the other side. The problem with people I see that getting started, and I think we talked about earlier is people come in with a, you know, a half-assed commitment they you know partially committed and then they're committed and if they don't get the results then they're not committed now then they want to change to something else or they're you know what i mean so the question is what's it going to take for you to get so committed for so long that uh you're going to do whatever it takes and that's where the tenacity comes in that's where the persistence comes in that's where if you are so committed and you have a long-term view and say i'm going to do this for five years then guess what if you suck for the first six months Guess what? It's a, it's a five-year game, man. It's a five-year plan. Who cares if you suck for six months? Guess what? You will get it if you do it long and hard enough. Right. Amen. Joe, let's, uh, let's bring this home. What's the best book you've read in the last 12 months and what did you find most valuable about it? You see that? Oh, <laughs> uh, you teed him right up for that. Uh, this is my book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the best book. Uh, you read a lot. Uh, you you always got the next, the the most recent thing. Yeah, but I I was caught off guard. Um, I tell you a book I'm reading right now that I'm really getting into and digging is um, oh, where's Kindle? Here it is, Kindle. You want me to go, yeah. Joe, to save you? Please, go ahead, Cody. <laughs> All right, this is my favorite new book. Um, and I'm reading right now. I'm reading uh like four books at one time. Um, but the one that I like geeked out on the most lately is never split the difference by Chris Voss. If you want to go deep into negotiation and understand the theory behind positioning and influence and negotiation, that book is by far like I've read a lot of like neurolinguistic programming books and art of negotiating books. This guy is a freaking beast when it comes to negotiation. So it's never split the difference by Chris Voss. You will not be disappointed and it applies to real estate. Awesome. Yeah. It's come up here on, on the show more than once. And it's, it's been in my audible library for at least a year. I think I'll Cody might've pushed me over the edge to actually listen to it now. <laughs> Sean, best book in the last 12 months. What'd you find most valuable about it? Right, I got, I got two books. So right. One book I'm reading right now. That's really, really good. That just came out and a book that's a tried and true book. That's great for, um, just personal, literally personal growth, personal progress and, you know, in life and business. So, um, that book is organized tomorrow today. It's a great, great book. It's literally one in anybody I've ever recommended it to 
literally text me back and say, that book is insane. It's so good. It's literally organized tomorrow today and uh, it's a phenomenal book. Go check it out. The book I'm reading uh, currently right now, it's a great book, is Joe Fairless's book, who if you know from the best ever real estate podcast, great guy, yeah. um, 28-year-old kid, built a $400 million um, multifamily portfolio. Guy's just a total stud, right? Um, so he has a 400-page book right now called The Best Ever uh, real estate or apartment syndication book and exactly how to do it. It's very technical, very detailed, um, explains the entire process from start to finish. Um, and I thought I've got some great takeaways from that. I, uh, it's, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Great guy. Great friend of the show. We just had him on the show, I think two weeks ago. So I didn't know about this book, giving him ample time to opportunity to, to share it, <laughs> but, uh, thanks Sean for, for sharing that. All right, Joe, did you figure it out? Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Endurance. It was written in the 50s. by. Uh, it's about uh, Ernest Shackleton. Mm-hmm. And it's a great book about leadership and um, never giving up. I love the book. And uh, I'm sure they've done movies about it, but the book is, and there's been several books. It's called Endurance. It's about Ernest Shackleton. Um, great book. It's a historical book, but it's really easy to read. And then the book I've been reading right now that I'm really getting into, it's called Giving It All Away and Getting It All Back Again, written by David Green, the guy who started Hobby Lobby. And it's about being generous, about living generously, not just financially, although that's important, but also with giving away of your time, your treasures, your talents, your knowledge, um, which I think all four of us here do a lot of that in the real estate and the business space. But um, I like hanging out with people who are generous. I don't like mm-hmm. hanging out with people that are stingy and and uh, hold all of their secrets to themselves, you know? So that's a really good book, Giving It All Away. Awesome. I'm glad you actually brought that up, Joe, because you three are three of the most generous people that I know I've gotten so much from you, and I just wanted to do something to, to share this and, and give back to you guys as much as I possibly can. Joe, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, good question. Um, don't, whatever you do, you don't- to come back to you? No, no, no. All right. Whatever you do, stop sending me Facebook messages. I don't read those things. And it's frustrating because people get so mad at me that I'm not responding to their Facebook messages. But anyway, uh, the best way probably is just through my podcast, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Perfect. Perfect. One of the longest running ones on iTunes. Congrats on that. Cody Sperber, what's the best way for someone to get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, my address is, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just send them, just have people showing up at my house. <laughs> um, it'd be pretty funny. You know what? On Instagram, I'm at clever investor. I'm pretty much at clever investor on all social platforms, but you know, I'm out there. I'm out there <laughs> and I, I put myself out there. I invite people into my world on a daily basis. I'm constantly going live. I got marketing stamina. So I'm always putting myself out there. And I think, um, you know, if you want to come hang out, uh, find me on social, download my book at fliphousesbook.com. It's a free resource for you. So that way, at least, uh, if you want to learn how to get into the real estate investing business, that's a great step-by-step guide. And I want to, can I just leave them with something real quick? Sure. Um, you know, you have an amazing array of talent right here on this mastermind. Uh, and I agreed to do it because I respect you guys so much. And the biggest needle movers in my life have always been and come out of events and masterminds. When you get plugged into a community like what you put together, Matt, um, or Sean's community or Joe's community, I mean, like it's different than just buying a product or course from a lot of other, you know, gurus that are out there. You guys really take a lot of time to create that community environment. And I think that's, it's so needed in the real estate space because real estate's scary. It's really freaking scary the first year. And uh, my best advice to somebody who's new is get plugged into somebody like Sean or Joe or Matt and stop wearing this, I'm bloody, I'm beat up, I got scars as a badge of honor. I'm figuring it out on my own. Screw that. Why? Who wants bloody noses to get beat up every single day? Pick up where these guys have left off. They're playing the game at such a high level. They've been through decades of trial and error. Stop kidding yourself that it's cool to fail miserably and figure it out. What's cool is getting in the game, 
learning from those that have already cracked the code and then going off and making your millions of dollars and then using that money to empower yourself to do cool shit like help your environment, help your community, you know, cut checks to solve big world problems, take care of your family, whatever you're into. That's cool, right? What's not being broke sucks, right? Being broke's not cool. Being average is not cool. But figuring us out on your own is definitely the wrong way to go, especially in the real estate space. And you're at the right place with, with this guy, Matt. So, you know. Yeah, let, me, let me add to that something that's really important too. You can't go broke making money. Okay. I'll say it again. You can't go broke making money. So what are you focusing on? Like, here's the thing. Focus will make you rich. Focus will make you rich. So if you want to be successful in business, focus on what matters most. Become brilliant at the basic things, right? I, I wrote a book called Brilliant at the Basics. Focus on those basic things, talking to five sellers a day. If you don't have leads, if you can't afford marketing, go find other wholesalers out there that have old leads and offer to follow up with their old leads for them and split the deals with them or something like that. So you literally have no excuses, none out there. If you focus on your highest revenue generating activities, which is talking to sellers and making offers, you're going to have success in this business. And uh, I, so I just think that's important. You can't go broke making money. Focus will make you rich. You know, shiny objects will make you go blind. So get rid of those shiny objects and just focus on uh, those basic elemental things in this business and you're going to do fine. You're going to crush mm-hmm. it. Thanks for that, Joe. Sean, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, they can go to flip the number two freedom.com flip to freedom.com. I have a book there. They can uh, download for free, read it if they want. And, uh, to add to what these guys are saying, um, I remember you and I, Matt sat down at Tommy Bahama cafe, Laguna beach, California. I remember that had a couple cocktails, beautiful day outside. How long you've ago had was a, that? You've had a huge impact on my wardrobe, Sean, since that day. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, we had a great time and we were both not there. We were both still figuring it out. We were both, you know, bouncing ideas off either. You were very giving. I was very, we went back and forth. We're still, we're still navigating the path of really trying to make our way in the industry, make our path, you know, and I remember having, it was a great conversation. We had a great time. And to add to what these guys are talking about, to kind of wrap it up. And now I've seen what you've accomplished and what's great about it is you've had relentless focus, which, you know, talks about what Joe talks about. You know, you've been part of masterminds. You surround yourself with the right people, Cody's talking about. And you had one other element that, uh, that wasn't discussed, and it was the consistent action. You had absolute consistency. And from that meeting and from that meeting, I think I took away, you have consistently put out content consistently put out podcasts, consistently been there. And if you look at that effort and energy of being consistent, you've risen to the top of the game in all aspects from your, your the coaching that you've done, the masterminds that you're putting on right now, the education, your training and stuff, which uh, and it's created of being now an industry leader. And it's done through all those different aspects and being consistent and putting your head down, staying focused, and surrounding yourself with the right people. So, uh, awesome. I commend you for doing that. You've done an you know, incredible job. Thoroughly impressed with what you uh, what you've accomplished. And uh, and I'm- yeah, Matt, do you know how much stuff I've stolen from you? I mean, I mean. Uh- <laughs>
yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.